You're listening to Jinx here on the More Than Punk Podcast. I'm Seb McKay, as always, same guy, every fucking Saturday, hanging out with bands, playing their new shit. This song is called All In Caskets. Now, Jinx are a band from New York. They were picked up by Mr. Jason Alon Butler from Let Live and The Fever 333 fame, who obviously started his artist record collective, 333 Records. They picked these guys up for one track, story is that Jason heard the track, absolutely fucking loved it, thought we're going to put this out, generate some hype, and what an awesome job they've done, not only on the track, but on the hype train, I mean Jinx are an awesome band, and they're just like the sweetest guys, so this week I'm hanging out with Jerry DiLorenzo, guitarist, co-founder of the band, and we're talking everything from famous people sightings in new york city right the way through to going on tour to releasing this new album and how much he fucking hates social media and feels like he's caught in that social media trap that i guess we all feel like we're caught in of having to be in there promote the band but also wanting to stay away from that toxicity that stickiness getting away from the phone a little bit it's it's a really good conversation we get pretty philosophical about halfway through so stick around for that also one thing a slightly different beat but i've been listening to tons of frightened rabbit lately the midnight organ fight has been my absolute fucking jam if you don't know frightened rabbit they're kind of a folk rock scottish band uh they broke up not too long ago but i think you should definitely check them out they're such a good band seriously criminally underrated um and anything we can do to get more good bands out there it's got to be a good thing so make sure you check out frightened rabbit but do it after you've listened to this rad interview with jerry DiLorenzo from jinx this is the more than punk podcast How have you been, man? I mean, working with Jason Alan Butler, Let Live, yeah. The Fever, I mean, three through three records, like, what a trip. I mean, as I know, it's one song, but what a trip. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool adventure so far. Um, Jason's just been really supportive. He's been awesome. Uh, you know, his, his goal for everything was to, you know, help us get, you know, as much exposure as possible and it's been seriously working out which is fantastic um you know he's just a real ass dude mm. uh and when he heard about us like what he heard was that we're a bunch of kind of real ass people like we're just a very like no bullshit kind of band like we know how to have fun and like we're fucking crazy but um we just have this like everything we do is just very much us like it's just our personality put into music um so when he heard the song, he was just like, I need to know more about this band right now. So we we jumped on a phone call with him the next week. And it's just been like, he just got us off rip. Like he understood what we were about and like what we want to do and where we want to be. And it's just, it's really been sick. Nice. I met him once. Um, Let Live played like a 300 cap venue in New Zealand. And I met him and, and I used my one opportunity to meet him to be like, hey, I know someone that you know. And that was it. Then of course it was like on to the next person. Oh my god! Yeah, for years. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've done that a few times to people. Uh, like I'll have friends that are in like bands or whatever, and then like we'll meet somebody in the industry, and I'm like, oh, this this guy said hi, and they're like, cool, great. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. that's like the end. <laughs> yeah, of um, all the things I could have said to him, I was like, oh yeah, you know the chick that used to be my editor. And he's like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> that's so funny. Most people ask for um, a hug or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. A few times. I feel like the hug gets awkward sometimes, though. You're like, hey, can I hug you? And they're like, uh, all right, here you go. Or like sometimes yeah. like some dudes are like super cool about it, too. It's just like, I don't know. I've, I've seen both sides of that. I So I, my rule usually is to not ask, but just sort of see what they do. You know, because so, <laughs> you you'll meet some people and you're going to like shake their hand and like, no, nah, bring it in and, you, and you'll hug or whatever. Yeah. And other people, it's like, you know, just a high five or a fist bump or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I did that once with Bruce Willis. I went to go shake his hand, and uh, his response was to pick his nose and try to shake my hand right afterward. <laughs> Good times. Nice. Nice. Oh, man, that is, that's a scoop right there. 
Yeah, I've never met anyone that's met Bruce Willis before. This is this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, I used to work in a music store, and um, it was in uh, like right outside of Penn Station in New York. Um, so it's you know in Midtown, and we we definitely had a pretty. Uh, we we had some famous people come in every once in a while. Um, working working in a music store, I actually got to meet a lot of like bigger names in music. Like I got to meet uh, I met Action Bronson before and did like a sale for him. And he bought like a couple thousand dollars worth of gear. Uh, I've I've gotten to meet like Wyclef John, which was that was just an awesome experience because I did not know what I was in for, and he was just a really cool. He's a very eccentric dude, mm-hmm. um, but his character was awesome. He was just really really nice and inviting. Uh, and I got to meet some weird metal legends too, like Ross the Boss from Manowar, nice. who was just always—he was always in my store, like constantly. Like I, and he would always come in with this like 1969 Les Paul. It was like a super rare old guitar, and he would just come in with no case, swinging it around the store, like, "Hey, uh, I need some new strings. I'm going on tour with Max Cavalera," and you know. And then he would just like hand me the guitar and be like, "Put strings on it." I'm like, "Uh, this guitar is worth more than me. Like, what are you yeah, doing?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was a cool dude. Uh, I've actually had a, a pretty good relationship with um, with Ricky Bird from the Blackhearts, like Joan Jett mm-hmm. and the Blackhearts. Uh, he lived across the street from one of the stores that I worked in. Um, that was a surreal relationship to have. Yeah. Um, because, you know, he wrote one of the most iconic rock and roll songs in history, if not maybe the most iconic rock and roll song. Um, and then I met him right before he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, and he came to the store the day after he flew home to show me a video of him, like playing the hall of fame, like the big jam at the end. And he's like, I saw Paul McCartney at the front and you have to watch this. And he just like runs up to Paul McCartney and they do that, you know, like the cool, like rock thing where like the two like stars, like lean on each other while they're shredding or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. he got to do that with Paul McCartney. And it's like, it was the sickest thing because he looked like a five-year-old, like who just like achieved his like goal like he was glowing and this is you know an older man um it was a cool thing he was he was a really awesome dude and uh i'm actually glad that i actually got to hang out with him for the time that i worked at that store it was awesome that's one of the beautiful things about um living in new york i guess right so i was talking to greg dillager escape plan kill be killed greg oh yeah uh, a few months ago now but we, we were talking about that kind of that kind of thing because i think he lives in la and he's like yeah i mean you'll go to trader joe's and see like Zach Taylor Rocher and just like he's yeah. just like these people just exist but of course I live in fucking Edinburgh in Scotland right so like we have statues of dead people you know <laughs> that's kind of the like and you might see Ian Rankin maybe but like oh would you even recognize him if you saw him like let's be honest you know I, I feel like New York is like the middle way point between that like we have tons of dead people statues and then we have the occasional famous guy um I used to see uh, Jared Leto at Starbucks all the time. I used to just like, I wasted 90% of my teenage years and early adult life just hanging out in Union Square. Yeah. Um, which just, it was just like a popular area for kids who listen to like, like scene kids and kids who listen to like hardcore and metal to just kind of like hang out there. Um, especially the kids who weren't uh, like the whitest mm-hmm. would always hang out there. There was always something different about us. Like we just weren't really welcome in a lot of places. Um but we didn't care. We fucking did what we wanted to do. Uh, and we always had drama with these like goth kids at the time, which is so weird now because everyone's, you know, gothic and it's like cool to be goth. Um, but there was this like group of goth kids and they, they had like a like a, a fucking uh, lifeguard stand in the middle of Union Square. And we would literally fist fight these dudes for like like rights to like fucking hang out, you know, on a lifeguard stand. Like that was that was the thing to do there. But uh, yeah, I would see I met Jared Leto um on fuse tv like i was just like a random like cast member in the audience oh, yeah. he came over and yeah. talked to me um randomly just came over to me and talked to me because he liked my haircut at the time which was like a mohawk with like a fucking i had like bangs like down to here and a mohawk it was crazy looking um and then uh i would just see him randomly in the starbucks over there all the time because he apparently lived up the block uh, and he would just always say, what's up to me? And I'm like, you're Jared Leto. Don't talk to me. You're way too famous for me. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, okay, I'm going to run now. Yeah, you feel like you're like burst into a cloud of dust, right? That's yeah, exactly. The, like, yeah. I'm just so irrelevant to you. But I guess thanks for being nice. I used to worship <laughs> that guy. Man, I had the I had the biggest crush on Jared Leto. Uh, like, honestly, I, I think I still have a massive crush on him. I, he's still one of my favorite musicians ever uh 30 seconds of mars is i i just thought they were like the perfect rock band for the time that they were mm-hmm. 
uh they could have done no wrong especially that first that first album was just pure insanity it was so good yeah and the video budgets were nice too oh dude that video that they shot in like antarctica or something i was like how did your record label give you so much fucking money dude nuts oh they were sick is it weird to you to like be start being that person for people now I know it's a, I know it's a, like a not a Jared Leto scale, but I think only Jared yeah, Leto yeah. is on a Jared Leto scale. But to sort of see yourself as fan and then musician and then sort of you know person that people are like, man, I want to be like that guy. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm quite there yet. It's it's weird because you know like I started this band, um, and I've just I've never had that kind of like i love attention obviously i'm in a band like that's what you know when you're in a band that wants to succeed attention is something that's necessary but i've never looked at myself as that kind of accessible but not accessible human Mm. um i'm just always so chill and open-minded like my thing is just to talk to anyone who's willing to talk to me um so i I don't know i I just i don't think i've ever realized that i might actually be that person where somebody is like oh i want to be like this guy like that's cool um but it is kind of a cool feeling now that I'm like kind of looking back at it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but I, it's I, when, sorry, you go. No, no. It's I, I just I just hope that like no one ever thinks that I'm just like, you know, because I feel like a lot a lot of those people who you're afraid to talk to, they can come off as like pompous douchebags when they just don't know how to respond to maybe a potentially awkward situation too. Like mm. um, so I just hope no one ever thinks that of me. <laughs> I, I was talking to um jesse and jt from era last week and oh, we touched up dude those guys are fucking amazing people it was the first yeah. time that i'd met them and we just had like the best time um, but we were talking about a really similar thing and you know jesse's like man i was going through life and everyone was telling me that i was amazing he's like you know, like everyone's saying like, you're amazing at guitar, you're amazing at singing. And he's like, but when it came to talking to people, sometimes I just know what the fuck I was supposed to do. You know, like, how do I approach yeah. fans? How do they approach me like that? I mean, you know, it's that being on this side of the industry, it's not something I ever have to think about. Thank fuck. Because I would <laughs> definitely screw that shit up. But yeah, yeah I guess to, for you guys, it kind of changes depending on like, you know, sometimes overnight and sometimes it's a steady climb, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely say that. I think my career has been more of a steady, steady climb. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time. My last band, we had like, my last band was called Life is a Ghost. We were based out of Long Island. It was like a post-hardcore band. I, I you know, I fell for the hype. Um, we I wasn't really did. into that kind of stuff. I was, I was actually in a tech death metal band before that. Like, I'm super into tech. I'm still into super, like, super tech death metal. I just don't have the patience to play six million notes a song anymore. Um, but um, that band, actually, when we first started, like, we came out swinging pretty hard. So we were really, really, we were a big hometown band. Like, we were selling out, you know, 300 cap and 400 cap venues at home. Um, and so we had a bit of local stardom, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of got me adjusted to, I guess, meeting people a lot because people look up to you. And, you know, the first time I ever signed an autograph was with that band. That was the weirdest thing for me. I'm like, I'm just a guy. Like, you could just, you could have been talking to me this whole night. Like, why are you asking me to sign an autograph, you know? But it be, you get used to it after a while. Um, but yeah, that like like what Jesse said. Like I sometimes I don't know how to talk to people because I just I don't I don't know I don't try to put myself out as somebody who's unattainable to talk to. So like I would rather someone just like come up to me and be like, "Hey, what's up? Like, do you drink? Yeah, okay, let's drink." Yeah, yeah. How about um, it's it's one of those things where like you it's I mean I guess it's like every social interaction, right? When you talk to a stranger, it's like, what do I say to them? times the fact that like i probably sit in my bedroom and listen to their music and yeah. it means the fucking world to me or whatever you know like i find that hard enough uh i did that once when i met um i met uh spencer from periphery at a show like randomly and i was hanging out with um uh with one of my friends who managed uh that band woven war at the mm-hmm. time as i dying um and so i was hanging out with him and, and their drummer jordan um and I wasn't phased by Jordan at all. Like I hung out with Jordan and got like wasted with him at a bar randomly. He didn't re- really remember me, but just like I, I randomly ran into him at a bar when I saw him at a show and we got like tanked. Um, but I met Spencer and I was like, Hey, uh, I, I, I like your vocals a lot. Hey. And it was like the first time I was ever like an awkward, 
dweeb around someone who is, you know, kind of more famous than me. And like, um, that was, that was kind of, that was like my moment where I realized like, these are just people, dude. Like I've met Justin Bieber and, you know, had to sell him guitar picks. And that was easier than talking to, you know, Spencer Satello, which uh, it was a weird situation for me. And I just never did that again. I guess no, it's, I just, it depends on what they kind of like mean to you, right? Or, or for sure, yeah. Because I imagine yeah, I if mean, I met Justin Bieber, I'd just be like, "Sup." But if I met um, like you know the guys in Periphery, it'd be quite different. Yeah, I mean, when I met when I met Bieber, I think it was just really easy because he came in super normal to the store that I worked in, and he just grabbed the guitar off the wall and started playing guitar for like a four year old who was like enamored by him. Um, and he just like sang to her for like two minutes or whatever. And I was like, all right, this dude's chill. Like it was that, that simple. So it was, it was really easy to approach him after that. Um, but yeah, I think when you're like a super fan of somebody, which I'm a, I'm a bit of a Bieber fan. I'm not going to lie. I'm a believer. Um, you know, I think he's a talented dude. Um, but yeah, for some reason, just in, in that moment, when I met like Spencer, I just froze. I was like, Oh, this is nerdy. <laughs> Dude, that four-year-old is gonna remember that for the rest of their fucking the rest of life. Their life. Absolutely. Like you know, that those are those are life-changing moments for for especially for kids, you know, like mm. so I I, th- I thought that was just super cool. I remember meeting the this is just gonna become a conversation about bands that we've met, and I feel totally sorry for anyone listening to this that it's just like, <laughs> you know, doesn't get to meet people. I just realized how wanky this fucking sounds. <laughs> Hey, a little okay. bit of something going on right now you know i'm gonna names, change names i'm gonna change the subject <laughs> um i was reading the press release talking about um all in caskets because you know that's yeah. what we're here for and if i don't talk about that that kind of gets a little bit weird uh but you guys <laughs> in the press release talk a lot about like misinformation disinformation that kind of thing yeah you live not in, and it's by no means an american exclusive thing but man you live in a fucking weird country in a really oh, weird yeah. time in history like there's so much stuff that you could come out swinging against how do you pick something um the weird thing so we wrote we wrote all in caskets before everything really kind of shit the bed here um we were you know a big inspiration on on the song was uh when people were uh just kind of being outraged for no read like people would just share a headline of an article and not Mm. read it or have no clue what the context of the article was and i I think a big thing for me is that like context is missing from everything nowadays like there's so much going on where the meaning behind something doesn't matter as much as what you see on on the front everything's taken at face value and i think that's the most dangerous thing in the world um and then once somebody you know there's there's also just like a thing where people can spark outrage and it's mm. nonsense but if you know somebody wants to feel validated they'll just kind of jump on the train um but then the world kind of started falling apart and the song started to just feel way more real to us um and we didn't have the concept for the video yet um we weren't even talking about the video yet as you know everything started falling apart and what we wanted to do when we did the video was put out something jarring uh, that included a lot of current events. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's some subtle messagery, but I really don't like to, I, I love to leave it up to interpretation. Like if do, you yeah, believe in not, what you that's believe. That's like the rule yeah, yeah. of this podcast is do not explain your songs. Um, but basically like it, it became a real, like we wrote this song preemptively, not knowing how real it would actually get for us. Um, so it was kind of a cool experience. I think did I lose my service? I think I did for a second. Sorry. You, um, you did. You, you um, dropped out. It was kind of a cool. Oh, uh, it was just a cool experience for us um, to just kind of be able to kind of i guess be a little bit ahead of the curve like before the world fell apart um so yeah but the way we write songs like i said it's just like we pick whatever's kind of pissing us off at the moment and we'll just kind of write like we have songs about dumb shit like being a club promoter yeah um because a couple of our dudes work in clubs like so we just you know we just kind of write what we feel at, at the time 
How do you um, feel and, about like social media and stuff? I mean, give, you know, given all in caskets and, and that, I mean, like for me, for one, I fucking hate it. And I feel yeah. I'm stuck in this weird dichotomy of like, this has to go out. It has to be heard by people. People are currently inside. So there's no point buying a fucking billboard on the side of a highway and sticking more than punk logo on it and hoping I get, you know, cause no one's going to see it. Right. So like, I've got to be on Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. A million percent. It's kind of a pet, like for you, how did, what's it like for you? Are you off that shit? Are you stuck in that cycle with the rest of us? I'm definitely stuck in the cycle as much as I don't want to be part of it. Um, I actually actively um, stopped posting on Facebook um, a little bit last year. And then when, when the song was ready to come out, uh, I started becoming a little bit more active on it just to keep awareness of, cause you know, if you're not posting, you're not getting any, uh, you're not getting any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Any traction on your post period. So, it, you know, the more people that interact with your stuff, the more people will end up seeing it in the long run. Mm. So I had to start playing that game again, um, which, you know, it's, it's just cool because I do have a lot of friends from touring and I have a lot of friends that I've met across the country that I don't get to talk to every day. Um, and it's a great way to kind of keep in touch with people, but at the same time, it's just, to me, social media has just become, it's, it's, it's mentally draining, honestly, like totally, man, you're just seeing, you know, hundreds and thousands of, of, of opinions a day and nothing matches up. And, you know, sometimes nothing, like the opinion makes no sense because they just don't know enough about the topic and they, they're speaking about it. So sure. Um, and I think that's goes back to the whole idea of what we were talking about with misinformation and disinformation. Um, and that's really honestly legitimately started wearing down on my mental health. Um, so I took a step back from it. Uh, although I love Twitter, I will always be on Twitter. I just yeah. think you can always, you can always find something fantastic on Twitter that isn't mentally draining. Uh, it's just constant chaos and entertainment. And I think it's, it's great. Um, but Facebook is like, just, I think Facebook is just toxic drama. Even Instagram nowadays is really toxic. Mm -hmm. It's it's gone from influencers showing their ability, you know, to actually promote a product that may be of good quality to just like now people are just like just trying to get attention off of cheap knockoffs of things. And like, you know, it's just like the ceiling is just like the standard of 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 well, I guess it's that ceiling of, of acceptance is just so low now mm. that anyone could be famous for like the dumbest shit in the world, uh, which I think is also dangerous. Like, I, I don't think that's like you know, what can you give me outside of 10 seconds of maybe a chuckle or a chortle? Like, great, cool. Do something else. Like, you know, um, so yeah, I fucking hate social media. Bottom line, <laughs> I think it's stupid. Um, but unfortunately, you know, to, to exist in this, uh, in this spectrum of the industry right now, like it's, it's very important. Um, somebody from a really big band that I hung out with once, uh, I won't name the band. Um, but it was the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten in my life. And it's, if you're not using social media to, you know, generate money, what the fuck are you using it for? Totally. That is, yeah, that is such a good fucking point. Um, and it's a it, sales it really, channel, right? Exactly. You know, we're being constantly pitched advertisements all day, nonstop, you know, two, three times a, a 30 second video or whatever. I'm guilty of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, us too. We have ads on all our YouTube videos, but, um, but that's the whole point is that like, if you can't, you know, you can only be so anti everything, you know, but uh, you know, the, the more you want to blow up, the more investment it takes. So you have to mm -hmm. turn, make some capital at some point, which sucks. Um, you know, but you do have to play the game. It's the rage against the machine conundrum, right? Like they were like, yes. fuck the power, fuck the system, but they're on a major label. Yes, but if they weren't also, on a major label, they could like fuck the system less. You know what I mean? Like that message is going to reach fewer people. It's that whole. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, you know, I, I think that's just a byproduct of them being that good though. Mm. I think. No. Yeah. Like no shade. Like I fucking love that band. Yeah. You know, I, I think they did. I think what they did was the right thing because they did create a lot of, I mean, maybe not because there's so many Americans that are like, been sold out they're too political now it's like have you ever fucking listened to this band you know yeah. um there was there was this really iconic speaking of rage against machine i don't know if you ever saw that video of the two uh 
clearly misguided Americans. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're, like, it's like the Killing the in the Name video or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like dancing to Killing in the Name and supporting cops. And it's like, y'all don't listen to anything but the actual music, do you? It's that whole uh, thing you were saying before about context. Nothing has context anymore. Exactly. I, I just don't think context exists, people. People just want, you know, it's just they just want to be outraged for, for validity. That's literally all it is. It's all about validation. It's not about seriousness or it's not about taking anything too far, being so serious, which is why, again, like a dude like Jason is just so fucking dope because that's him he's not doing this for you know attention he's doing this to create awareness and he's real and he'll fucking put his life on the line for this shit i mean have you ever seen him live have you ever seen what he does live to you like he's a fucking animal live and that energy that he puts on stage is the same energy that he puts out when having a conversation with you about anything it's the same energy that he puts out in his activism so like that's a prime example of how to gain validation while putting context forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I admire him a lot, honestly, for, for how he is. Um, he gets the, he gets to how to run the social media machine really well. And he's, he's been doing it, is it. He must be coming on 15 years or something. Right. Like, yeah, cause I obviously think I think they sort of, I don't broke, broke through is the wrong phrase, but you know, black is beautiful came out and, I, you know, things sort of start to pick up, but there was, as you know, let live way before that, way before that. I was, uh, I was a fan of theirs for a while uh, before they kind of picked up too. Um, I just always thought there was something standout and different about that band. Like it reminded me of older music that I grew up listening to mm-hmm. um, like bands like Glassjaw. Yeah. But it was, such it was, band. It was very fresh, though. It didn't sound like them, but it just reminded you. And I, I think that's a really, you know, uh, we, we can talk, again, context in music. Um, context today is there's a lot of bands. Like, nostalgia is, like, the biggest thing ever right now, right? Like, so many bands are doing what bands did 20 years ago, you know. And it's cool because, like, bands that may have been overlooked 20 years ago are getting some shine now, which is great. Mm. Um, but I think the the context again is that a lot, I feel like a lot of the newer bands that are doing that nostalgia trip are just kind of copy paste what that band did as opposed to making it their own. Um, Or they're copy pasting two or three bands and putting it together with, I guess, making your own, but it's still, you can point like, this sounds like this band. This sounds like this band. This sound it's, it's just, I don't know. Let live never really came off as like derivatives to me. Totally. Um, Which is again, like why I've always been a massive fan. That's another reason why like, you know we do the our music the way we do it like we don't want to be derivative like we want to you know we want there to clearly be influence where you could be like oh this kind of reminds me of this thing but it's like As completely art, itself. right yeah. yeah how did you um talk about context and, and bands and social and all that kind of shit do you think how I'm, gonna, I'm wondering how I'm going to phrase this question without tying myself in a knot, but basically I'm wondering how you figure out where you fit in. And what I mean by that is, you know, the context is always different. It's always changing. Like, do you just grab your message, the thing that sort of connected you with 333 and just keep driving that forward? Like what's your game? Plan? It's weird asking a band what their game <laughs> yeah. plan is, but things have changed so much since, you know, you could just go into a club and play music right now. Like you've got to have a stance. Um, I think the most important thing for us is that we don't technically want to fit in. Mm. Um, you know, how do you stand out if you fit in? You know, um, we clearly don't want to be like the elephant in the room every time we do something because nobody wants to be that guy. It just comes off as like I don't know. It kind of just comes off shitty, I guess, or like pick me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, we do want to bring our own thing to the table. Um, we do want to be something that's fresh. We want to do something that feels different, but you know, we don't typically look to the same influences as everyone else does for where we get our, our sound, I guess. Um, and I think that's what actually makes us stand out. Um, you know, with all in caskets, just we'll, we'll use that because it's what we're, I guess that's the theme of today. Sorry, right? um, yeah, yeah, yeah. With all in caskets, our thing is when we did that kind of changeover, that real drastic changeover, it wasn't inspired by 
us trying to just shove a song into another song. It was inspired by like, um, what's that song with uh, Drake and Future? Life's Life's Good. If you're way um, outside my listening preferences now, dude. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's just we basically we were inspired by a lot of modern hip hop artists like Travis Scott and Drake when they did Sicko Mode. Halfway through that song, when Drake's part comes, it's a totally different song. Um, you know, Kendrick Lamar does it all the time in his music. And that's, you know, we're from New York. We listen to hip hop. It's just what we do. Mm. It's part of our culture. It's part, you know, I grew up in the hood. I, Tommy is from the hood. They're, he's from the Bronx. Felix is from Inwood. He's from the hood. You know, so that's a big part of our lives. And it's a big part of our culture. And we go to parties. Like, we don't go to a party and listen to metal all night. Could it happen? Yeah. Does it happen sometimes? Yeah. It depends on, I guess, the demographic of the party and who you're hanging out with. But when we look to go to a party, when we look to go out, when we look to go do things, we want to listen to like dance hall and we want to listen to reggaeton and we want to listen to hip hop. Like mm. we want to vibe out like we're we play metal. So we want to break from that in our daily. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's any band leaning as hard as we are into kind of both sides of the aspect. Like, you know, I feel like all in caskets is like super metal at the beginning of the song. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super hip hop when it when it gets to the other side of it. Um, and you know, there's tons of bands flirting with the idea, which I think is fantastic. I don't think genre means shit anymore. Mm. Um, there are tons That's of artists right. that have proved that. Um, like Billie Eilish. I mean, between the Barry and me has always proved that to me. That genre doesn't matter because I think they, I've always thought they were just a fantastic band that did whatever they wanted whenever they felt like it and got away with it. Mm. The getting um, away with it part is the fucking crux of the whole thing, though, right? Yeah, but I just think it's, if it's genuine, you don't have to worry about getting away with anything. Hmm. If it's real, people will understand that this is what you're doing. Um, you know, and it's jarring. And I, I, that was a big thing for Between the Bear and Me, too, though. A lot of people found them to be jarring. It's like it was too much. Or it was, you know, they did find their their niche and they found their their sound. Um. You know, which is weird because my favorite albums are the first two, like Self-Titled and Silent Circus. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely. Silent Circus is like my favorite album of all time, probably. Um, but it, it is jarring. It's very jarring music. And, you know, you hear it you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's like how we approach this song. We took that kind of mentality and we really wanted to just get people to think about what genre means and what hip hop means. And, you know, there's a message behind the song and you know, there's just so many different aspects of what you can think about besides just the lyrics and mm. how you approach music and what you can listen to, um, you know, and we want to give some validity to rock artists who flirt around with hip hop and be able to, you know, play in hip hop scene. Like we've done hip hop shows before and it's oh, we've always gone over well, like people are just super open minded to it once they hear it. Yeah, on um, paper, it's a slightly weird um it's a weird for thing, sure. but, but I think, but that's, that's true for loads of shit, you know, like you, yeah. it's so hard to describe in words, a style of music. That's why I think things like album reviews are bullshit because you either get it and you're on board or you're, or you don't get it. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And now I have to try and describe this using my limited vocabulary and put <laughs> yeah, in a magazine. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's a, well, it's a trap. <laughs> I think, I think album reviews in general are, Yes, they are. I think they are bullshit. I think they're they're dangerous because you know opinions are so subjective. Like, <laughs> so like cool. Like, I think you have a great ear for music, and you listen to some good bands and gave things that I like. You know, just taking any review or whatever. If you give a band that I like a good review and I agree with you, now I'm going to think that I agree with you on every other band, and I might not check something out because you gave a bad review. I think it's dangerous for bands. That's why I like. I don't read up on music media. Um, I don't really pay attention to much unless I find a band that I think is fantastic. And I just want to know a little bit more about them. Mm. Um, like, I just don't, I don't want to get caught. I don't personally want to get caught up in that. Like I want to get caught up in what's your music about. And if you know what I mean, and what does your music sound like? Cause I, I found so many artists just blindly listening to music or, you know, looking at an album cover and I'm like, damn, this is sick as opposed to reading an article and I'm like, okay, this guy said this suck. I don't want to listen to it now. Mm. Um, so I just think, you know, I don't know. I, like I said, I, like you said, like I, you, music reviews, I think are just kind of bullshit. 
because it's, it's too subjective. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I miss the way that we used to discover music. Like, I find it so hard to break out of my Spotify algorithm, partly because oh. I'm getting old and I'm getting lazy, but also I, I'm just like, where do I begin? Like, it's so different just walking into a record store and picking up a, a CD or a vinyl or whatever. But like, you know I'm what I mean? Like, yeah, like can, I can't Google genres in in Spotify. Oh, that's uh, a good I idea. Think my, my, That'll take my favorite off. way of discovering music ever was MP3.com, like back in the day. Yeah. Because um, you would click one band and immediately they would link you to like six other bands that you know you're going to like right away. Um, that's actually how I discovered bands like, uh, like that's how I discovered Between the Bear and Me and The Red Chord and The Acacia Strain. Mm. Um, because all those bands toured together all the fucking time and you click one band's link and they're there. And then, um, you know, everybody had their sources. And, I, and that was the beauty of music that you had your friends or you had a website that you know you would go to and they're going to upload some videos and you don't know who the fucking band is. You're going to watch it because you're excited to see this band play live and they might play a song that's not even out yet. So you get to hear something that no one's really heard yet. Um, and that's your first taste of that band. Mm. Um, and it, you know, it kind of, I guess it kind of still exists with Spotify algorithms, but I feel like Spotify algorithms are like just two on the nose all the time. They don't take into, they don't take into account like your varied music tastes if you're listening to one artist they're just going to keep showing you artists that fit with that artist you know when i put a playlist on say i'm on my morning commute for work like typically it'll start off like i'll listen to something like cannibal corpse in the morning that's you know, a hell of a way to start the day yeah tip, that's that's typically my morning i'll watch like macho man randy savage interviews to get some energy nice. um <laughs> and then when i'm on my commute i just put on a cannibal corpse song and i'm like all right i'm gonna fight somebody on my commute today um Lately, it's been God's hate for me. That fucking album. I don't know if you've heard it. I have. I have. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> it's so sick. Um, but yeah, that's that's been my like go-to every morning. And then, you know, after a song or two, I'm like, all right, I need to chill down a little bit. So I'll listen to something like Masego, who's like, right now, I think he's like probably my favorite singer right now. I just mm -hmm. think his his approach is super unique. He just won a Grammy, so shout out him. Um I don't know him, but I just had to. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, man, that fucking Jerry guy, what a legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's going to take um, you guys on tour. It'll happen. I love that. That'd be sick to go out with a weird kind of jazz R&B guy. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll put some shit on like that. And then I'll listen to, you know, like the new Bring Me the Horizon album. And all three of those albums, are like all three of those artists are just so different from each other. Um. And Spotify will never take that into account. If I just let a song run from one artist, I'm just going to hear a million artists that sound like that. And that, to me, it kind of becomes lame and stale. Mm -hmm. um, 100%. It, it's like the influx of generic 90s death metal bands that came after Cannibal Corpse and every band sounded identical. You know, that's all you get if you run a Cannibal Corpse playlist. You just get those generic 90s death metal bands. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I tend to never rely on the, like, that kind of keep shit playing aspect of things. Like, I don't yeah. even do playlists. I just... I'm like, what am I in the mood to hear? And then I'll like, then I'll find like, if I'm in the mood to hear a certain genre and I want to discover things, I'll typically go to like the biggest playlist for that genre. Mm -hmm. And I'll just, I'll just pick a song at random. Um, I, but, st I still listen to albums from top to bottom and like, and I'll do that. I'll go, Oh, I really want to listen to this song on an album and I'll start the album at the top and I'll listen through like it's that song and then keep going. I don't, I don't know yeah. why I do it. I must be the only person that does that, but like, this so, is something special about it, man. I've I've stopped listening to albums in their entirety at first. Um, the first way I actually always dive into an album is I always go to the second song first. Interesting. Why is that? I don't know. It's because I guess that influx of like mid 2000s metalcore just had so many intros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many times can you hear a fucking open note breakdown over, you know, 30, 40 albums? So I just stopped listening to the intros of an album. You know, I, I don't care about a horror movie fucking sample. Like, I just want to hear what you can do as a musician. Um, so I always just started at the second song and it's just kind of become like a routine for me. So then I'll listen to the second song. If I'm digging it, then I'll skip around or I'll put it on shuffle. And then if it's a concept album, after I hear the second song, I'll start the album over. So if you're writing an album and you know that you don't listen to the first song on an album, what do you what do you do as a musician? You just go, oh, other people aren't like me, it's fine. More people yeah, pretty are like much. Sip. Yeah. I hope I hope I hope people aren't like me. I, I I mean it's just our goal to make sure that every single song we write kind of bangs. Like we don't put out large collections of music. Um 
currently well, one because i guess it's expensive uh and mm-hmm. we're still very independent on that end but two um it's i'd rather focus on putting out two or three solid songs that we put our everything into than having songs that might be a miss to everyone period like i clearly every, not every song is going to be like you know everyone's favorite song mm. but we try to at least give you know everyone kind of something to listen to we try to make sure that none of our songs sound the same we try to make sure that you know we 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 get different influence for different songs um you know and we try to pull it from as many areas as possible like even even back in the day like there's a song that kind of we, we wrote a song called levitate that kind of could maybe be clearly influenced by like bands like lincoln park and corn but my actual main ins- inspiration for the the main riff of the song was from a misery signal song from from malice um there's just a chord that rang out to me in a song um and i was like that's cool how could i make this like my own mm. and i just turned it into its own thing um i don't know i just i think i'm kind of weird <laughs> Maybe. no no you once you do this for long enough you you realize that, that like it's I, I call it kind of pulling back the curtain just my wizard of oz reference but you know sure. once you start doing that you realize that everyone starts to kind of think about things in in more or less the same way there's always going to be some kind of variation but mostly you know which is you know part of why i tried to steer people away from it it's like you get those questions a lot it's like what was it like working in the studio what was it like working like writing your album and it's like yeah who cares you smoked some dope and wrote some songs or you know you've like it's always the same kind of thing because that's the nature of process right exactly like if an author's writing a book he sits at his working computer every day and writes a book you sit in yeah exactly um oh but you know of mice and men are doing a a what would you call it a triple ep instead of an album so like yeah so they've just released timeless like I don't know, three weeks ago or something, two weeks ago. Okay. And I, have, I, I haven't caught on to it. I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out now. Yeah. And then later on, they're releasing part two and then, you know, some other time part three. Like, there's, a, there's totally different. And they're not a band that is going, oh, shit, we can't really afford to make an album right now. Yeah. You know, like, they've just signed to Sharp Tone. Like, they're in a, a pretty sweet spot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I just think it's EPs are the way to go lately. Mm. Um, because of the way people digest music, an album, you know, a full album release has the same lasting power as a single drop nowadays. You know, people listen to the album, they'll pick their favorites, listen to it a couple times. Maybe one of them becomes like, you know, a classic. Maybe one of them does have a lasting uh, impression on people. But if, if you look at the way media is kind of digested now, it's just very, you know, the we one hit wonder. time on, shit, right on stuff we don't give a shit about it. Exactly. The, yeah. um, you know, when you when you look at the nature of uh, again in this it's this doesn't have to do with with music it's everything look at tiktok tiktok is like the prime example of the one and done you know what i'm saying like this is funny everyone does this one funny thing for three days now everyone fucking hates it um i realized i was old when i realized i didn't have a tiktok <laughs> i have one i don't i don't use it um, i was like what the fuck do i do with that <laughs> yeah there's some really creative people on there i give them credit i'm, they're, they're I'm sure there is i just but you know where where does it go from there like after a while once you develop your character and your character is based off a 30 second blurb if you need to do something longer can do you have the ability to take it beyond that um which is why i think we're gonna see a lot of you know crash and burn kind of fame that -hmm. comes out of tiktok um where you have these people who like do great and if they can't you know pull a job out of it or pull a career out of it they're just going to fade into the obscurity of some trend that happened. You know what I mean? Like I did a dance and that's it. That'd be a weird thing to be famous for. Not in the Beyonce did a dance kind of way, but in the, like I did a 30 second dance on TikTok. Oh yeah. I mean, you I have a friend I mean? who's, I have a friend who's, who kind of blew up on TikTok and um, it's actually my girlfriend's ex roommate. Um, she's doing really well on TikTok right now. And she does like skincare videos. It's like a minute long, you know, reviews and, what i would buy and what ingredients i like it's like super informational um and she's also like really she has a great personality and it 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 really translated well and i think her format works perfect for tiktok because it's just like here's a minute of easy to absorb information you know beyond just my opinion too there's you know this is what's in this this isn't really too great for you this is good for you um 
So I think I think that's a really cool and clever way to use this as opposed to just trying to do a fucking dance for like 30 seconds and then, okay, what's next? So let's talk um, about le- like legacy for a bit. Usually I, I ask this question to the bands that have been going for, you know, a, a while. And I sure. say like, when you look back on your, on your life, like, how do you consider this your legacy? What's your kind of your retrospective on that? But for you in the environment that we've just been talking about, are you thinking about legacy in a Ford we'll say thinking twice thinking about legacy in a forward thinking kind of a way going you know things can't be like obviously you're making songs not tiktok videos right but for the sake of argument things can't be 30 second flash in the pan like we've got to make stuff that's going to stand the test of time for sure um i'm really glad you asked this question um because that is my approach to everything it's it's about legacy and what for me it's how can we do our part to change the industry? Um, not just by, you know, us making music by, but by us crossing boundaries. Um, we do want to cross boundaries and we do want to make our mark, you know, by being a gate, like the way I look at it is just, I want to be a gateway band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would I love to be something bigger than just a gateway band for artists? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to write quality music that people love regardless of their interest and genre. Um, but I would love to be a gateway band for fans that are kind of maybe teetering on the edge for the hip hop band that, you know, because rock is so prevalent in hip hop right now. Um, there's definitely tons of fans who, whose interests are peaked, you know what I mean? And they might've always been peaked, but because, you know, growing up in New York, I can tell you right now that when you grow up in the hood, like rock is not a societal norm. You know what I mean? You get into fights if you like rock. I used to get into fights because I had a fucking Slipknot shirt <laughs> getting on the train or I wore, you know, when I was a scene kid, I wore fucking girl jeans. And yeah, (laughs) you know, and when, you know, now at first I was really salty when I started seeing that because like, I was like, damn, you know, I used to get jumped for liking fucking corn and slipknot. Mm -hmm. Now everyone's running, you know, yeah. (laughs) Um, But now, you know, it's, it's really dawned on me that this is just a different time and people are more accepting and people are more open-minded and, you know, it's just, I think it's become a part of now, you know, cultures adapt. As, as life goes on and you know when you're trying to create inclusivity i guess you know hot ter- hot term for the last few years when yeah. you're trying to to create inclusivity um which is a big deal to us we don't want anyone to feel like they don't fit in or belong at, at one of our shows we want you to leave like i don't know if i just got beat up or i just was at a party and had the best time of my life mm-hmm. and that's that's the experience we want to give to everyone and anyone who may be teetering on the edge of you know liking rock or hip-hop or you know and want to get into the other side of, of music, we would love to be that band that you can be like, hey, I'm going to go see this band. They're playing with a bunch of hip hop artists. You know, I really like this band. So if they're playing with these artists, they got to be good um, and vice versa. Like I want to see this band because they have these really dope hip hop parts, but they're playing with these bands and I really like the band side of it. And I didn't know I liked that. So let's go see that. Um, that's just become a, a big focus for us now. You know, you have artists that are pushing those boundaries like Mario Judah, which started off as a, as a joke for a lot of people, I think. I think he's he hit at the right time. I think the song was cool. I think what he does is cool. I think he nails the 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 you know that kind of pay attention to me aspect of social media really well. I think he's a really really calculated artist, um, and I don't think a lot of people actually see it that way, which is funny. But I, I think he's he's pretty genius at his his personal advertisement. Um, mm-hmm. But he's a, he's an artist that you know he does the rock aesthetic and, and people who listen to rock can listen to this you know he has a very metal melodies like his melodies you know can almost be like an ozzy osbourne kind of fucking thing or uh like breaking benjamin songs is the first thing i heard of when i like first heard his his first song um so those you know those crossover fans are gonna exist and it's gonna keep growing because more people don't care about those boundary limits anymore um and we want to push that envelope we want to be a band that pushes that forward we really do and that's such a beautiful fucking thing. Like, I feel like as a scene, we probably don't appreciate enough that you are less likely now than like ever to get jumped if you're wearing a Slipknot t-shirt oh, or yeah. girl jeans or makeup or whatever the fuck it might be. You know what I mean? I know that there's a sense from the old guard of like, you know, we earned our stripes and uh, we earned our scars and it's like, fuck off. Like people should be able to like what they like without getting the shit kicked out of them. And if you can't see that, fuck off. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I also think it's, you know, for us, it was a weird thing, too, because not only did we get jumped for doing that or, you know, we would get into fights or get ridiculed. 
you know, not just getting jobs because it was so much more than that anyway that you had to deal yeah, with. Yeah. Um, but you saw that a lot too. You know, a lot of scene kids loved going to hardcore shows because that's where it came from. The original lineup of scene bands came from hardcore bands a lot of the time. And, you know, it was much closer then um, than it is now. It's, you know, they've, they've kind of separated themselves so much. But when you were a scene kid and you would go to hardcore shows, you had to be a tough motherfucker to wear girl pants and go to a show. Like, because you were going to deal with some shit. It's just what it was. You know what I mean? And it, it was the culture and you had to accept it at the time. Was it, you know, did it become a big change in culture after a while? Absolutely. People started accepting it and it it, it got cool. You still got made fun of by like, the, you know, the tough dudes or whatever. Uh, I did this really weird fucking tough, <laughs> tough, tough dude kind of macho thing. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad now that you can go to a show, you know, almost anywhere and not feel like you're out of place. Mm. Um, I'm glad that you can listen to music and not get ridiculed for it. I'm glad that you can wear a Metallica shirt and not get shit for it. I'm glad you can wear a corn shirt and people are like, whoa, yeah, corn. Fuck yeah, that band rules. You know, it's also a testament to that band's legacy and, and what they did because they were really the first band that was that kind of gateway band for rock, rock people who loved rock to listen to hot, like hip hop music. Mm. And, you know, there, when I was in high school, like everyone called me corn. Like all the hood kids be like, oh, yo, corn, what's up, corn? Like, what's up? Because that, that's the band they knew because they were so intertwined with hip hop at the time that that was the band. You either got called corn, Limp Biscuit, or Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those and, are the days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those are the days. Um, and that's, you know, that's what we want to be. We want to be the guy that somebody sees in the hall, oh, Jinx, what's up? That'd be um, pretty sick. Like, I mean, that's that's some legacy level shit right there, right? Yeah. You know, but you got to reach high, I guess, if you want to make it anywhere. I mean, there's no, it's a, like, yeah, I, I don't mean that in the sense that that's not going to happen. Like, I firmly believe that, you know, I mean, if I didn't believe insane shit could happen, I wouldn't have started this fucking thing from my... For sure. You know, like, like, that was a whole, you know, I mean, and it's different to starting a band because, you know, you go out and you play shows and stuff, or at least you're used to in the before times. But like, you know, you start something like this, you've got to call people and you just, you just have your smoke and your mirrors and your best kind of sales pitch, you know? I mean, that was a while ago, but it's, it's a funny, it's a funny thing. You have to, from both sides of the industry, you have to believe that you can make shit happen because if you don't, I mean, I don't get paid for this. You get paid like a tiny amount for your music, I assume, you know, like, (laughs) you know, the economics of the music (laughs) industry. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely not tilted in our favor. I mean, yeah. but, you know, when you have bigger figureheads than you anywhere, you can look at any economy and the bigger figureheads, you know, it's always tilted in their favor no matter what anyway. So 100%. yeah, yeah. We, we just chose <laughs> to be in the in the kind of niche, least sustainable part of the industry. But oh, it's all good no, times. No. <laughs> but it, that's what it's, it's really that. And that's the thing. You have to have a weird obsession for punishment, uh, being poor and miserable um, for that that rush that like 40 seconds where you're in control of a room you know what i mean and it's 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 a powerful feeling like not just being in control of the room but like being able to be a guitar player and have people connect with you like i don't say words i mean i guess mm. in the songs that i sing in when i i do sing like i say words there and it's cool when people sing the words like the first time i ever heard somebody sing a lyric back at me or i stepped away from a microphone and like people in the crowd finished the line for me like I didn't know how to think after that. I was like, what is going on with my life right now? Like, okay, what's next? Um, And then I started singing less and less in our songs. And it's not because I don't want to sing. And it's just like our, in in the headspace we were when we were writing, it just wasn't necessary. And I don't want to force that. Like, I don't want to force a a chorus into a song that it doesn't belong into. If we're pissed off and we want to write an angry song, I'm not going to, you know, turn around and start singing bells and whistles. Like, so I just like, I pulled back a little bit and, you know, I guess from an ego standpoint, it it hurts a little bit because now less people are paying attention to me, but you make up for it in performance. Mm. And, you know, even as a guitar player, I still feel like I have the ability to connect with people in the crowd. That's, I think it's powerful when you have that kind of ability, like in general, like for any band, it's not just the guitar player, the bass player, the vocalist, the drummer, like Mm. when you have the ability to go in a room and you can turn heads and you become what everyone pays attention to in a night. Like I can, 
tell you about times we've been on tour and we'll open like we'll open the package for the night or whatever like it's typically smaller tours and we'll always rotate slots so that everybody gets like but we'll go and we'll play a show and we'll open and people will come up to us the whole night and it's like all right cool like my night's done here's all my money here let me buy every bit of your merch for the night whatever you know and it, it, it makes you feel special. It makes you feel like you're actually doing something and you're, you're changing a life and people want to know you and talk to you. And so like, once we hit, you know, once we get a, and this goes back again to like what you were saying before with the, you know, how does it feel when people want to be like you, whatever, like we're a really approachable band. Like after we get off the set, we're like, yo, we're going to the bar. If you want to come drink with us, let us know. If you want to buy us a shot, buy us a shot. If you ain't got money, we'll buy you a shot. What's up? <laughs> um, you know, and that's just the type of dudes we are. You know, we'll throw after parties after a show and invite, you know, whoever wants to come with us. Mm. Um, we want everyone to feel included, um, which is, I think, you know, in the new in the new days of 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 living, you know, the, the I guess in the metal industry. So like that rock star isn't kind of as prevalent as it used to be. So yeah. how do you how do you change that image of the rock star? And I think it's just you include as many people as you can you know you let as many people in as you can and show them that you're more than just a guy who can get on stage and provide entertainment for an hour or 40 minutes or 30 minutes or 20 minutes if you're on a festival <laughs> um you know you just you get off stage and you're like yo come fucking hang out with us like we're gonna be in the venue all night we're playing pool over there whatever mm. you know and we hang out and we'll you know instead of like standing side stage at shows sometimes we'll just we'll stand in the crowd with people and hang out with people and like you know, if people aren't moving to a band, like we'll start, like, I can't tell you how many times I've been on tour and I've started moshing for bands that we're on tour with so that other people can like lose that. Yeah. I, I know you, you've seen it before when like a band, nobody knows is like playing and everyone's like, damn, this band's good, but I don't know if I want to like be the first guy. Yeah. Like I, I have yeah. no fucking problem being the first guy that moshes at, at a show. If that's, if that's what it takes to get everyone, you know, everyone's interest peaked or, you know, get everyone excited for something. You know, I'll support my friends on tour, especially if they're fucking sick. I've been the first guy, and I've been the only guy. Oh, same. <laughs> Absolutely same. So, yeah. Dude, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming and hanging out. It's been awesome. I'm glad oh, we I got to make it, this man. happen. Yeah, me too, man. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about getting sick last week. That was a bummer. I mean, it's <laughs> like not something you have to apologize for. <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, reaching out and wanting to talk to us. Um, it really means a lot to us as a band um when people take an interest in what we do thanks man i love your shit so it was thank you it's an easy choice so there you have it my conversation with jerry de lorenzo from jinx i mean what a great dude with some seriously awesome stories i can't even imagine what it would be like to grow up in new york in that kind of environment and to just see those people around i mean i've been doing this for a long time and so i kind of get it to an extent but when you're interviewing bands you're always there with a purpose right like you're you're working if you get what i mean it's it's kind of my job to have these conversations and to you know get the best out of them i can't imagine what it's like to just sort of see jared leto in starbucks and just walk up and be like hey what's up that's i mean i would probably burst into a cloud of dust if i'm being completely fucking honest but more power to the people that don't burst into clouds of dust as always We've got the new single from Jinx. It's called All In Caskets that I'm going to play next. I've got some really cool stuff lined up over the next couple of weeks with some independent bands, which I'm really excited to bring to you guys. Um, it's going to be something a bit different, which is super cool, but they've both released some new tracks recently that are absolutely sick and fit right in to what I do on this show. So this is Jinx, All In Caskets. You're on the More Than Punk podcast. Hit that like button. Hit that follow button. Come and see me on Facebook. I'm there now. I mostly talk to myself. Um, it's More Than Punk podcast on Facebook and at More Than Punk on Twitter. Come and hang out. And yeah, as always, subscribe, follow, like, all that shit that every podcaster tells you to do every single fucking time you listen to a podcast. But we tell you because it's important. It helps us a lot. This is Jinx, all in caskets. I'll see you again next week, guys.
wipe down on my face to the beast And I'ma leave you dirty with my babies on your sheets And lately I've been wildin', I don't even wanna scream Don't even need to ask who the fuck is on my team Yeah, we 50 deep Cool.